Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. appreciate everyone's feedback. This episode is brought to you by Salt and Pepper. Tonight, we'll read recipes from A Plain Cookery Book for the Working Classes, written by Charles Francatelli and published in 1852. Born in London of Italian descent, Francatelli was a French-trained cook who worked for Queen Victoria. Let's get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep in writing this little book is to show you how you may prepare and cook your daily food so as to obtain from it the greatest amount of nourishment at the least possible expense and thus by skill and economy add at the same time to your comfort and to your comparatively slender means The recipes which it contains will afford sufficient variety from the simple everyday fare 
to more tasty dishes for the birthday, Christmas Day, or other festive occasions. In order to carry out my instructions properly, a few utensils will be necessary. A cooking stove, with an oven at the side, or placed under the grate, which should be so planned as to admit of the fire being opened or closed at will. By this contrivance, much heat and fuel are economized. There should also be a boiler at the back of the grate. By this means, you would have hot water always ready at hand, the advantage of which is considerable. Also, a three-gallon iron pot with a lid to it, a one-gallon saucepan, a two-quart ditto, a frying pan, a gridiron, and a strong tin baking dish. And now a few words on baking your own bread. I assure you, if you would adopt this excellent practice, you would not only affect a great saving in your expenditure, but you would also ensure a more substantial and wholesome kind of food. It would be free from potato, rice, bean, or pea flour, and alum, all of which substances are objectionable in the composition of bread. The only utensil required for bread making would be a tub or trough capable of working a bushel or two of flour. This tub would be useful in brewing, for which you will find in this book plain and easy directions. I have pointed out the necessity of procuring these articles for cooking purposes, and with the injunction to use great care in keeping them thoroughly clean, I will at once proceed to show you their value in a course of practical and economical cookery, the soundness and plainness of which I sincerely hope you will all be enabled to test in your own homes. How to Bake Your Own Bread Put a bushel of flour into a trough or a large pan. With your fist, make a deep hole in the center thereof. Put a pint of good fresh yeast into this hollow. Add thereto two quarts of warm water and work in with these as much of the flour as will serve to make a soft, smooth kind of batter. Strew this over with just enough flour to hide it. Then cover up the trough with its lid or with a blanket to keep all warm. And when the leaven has risen sufficiently to cause the flour to crack all over its surface, throw in a handful of salt, work all together, add just enough lukewarm soft water to enable you to work the whole into a firm, compact dough. And after having kneaded this with your fists until it becomes stiff and comparatively tough, shake a little flour over it and again cover it in with a blanket to keep it warm in order to assist its fermentation.
if properly managed, the fermentation will be accomplished in rather less than half an hour. Meanwhile, that the bread is being thus far prepared, you will have heated your oven to a satisfactory degree of heat with a sufficient quantity of dry, small wood. With a sufficient quantity of dry, small wooden sticks. And when all the wood is burnt, sweep out the oven clean and free from all ashes. Divide your dough into four-pound loaves. Knead them into round shapes, making a hole at the top with your thumb, and immediately put them out of hand into the oven to bake, closing the oven door upon them. In about two hours' time, they will be thoroughly baked, and are then to be taken out of the oven and allowed to become quite cold before they are put away in the cupboard. A treacle pudding. Ingredients. Two pounds of flour. Twelve ounces of treacle. Six ounces of suet or dripping fat. A quarter of an ounce of baking powder. A pinch of allspice. A little salt. One pint of milk or water. Mix the whole of the above-named ingredients in a pan into a firm, compact paste. Tie it up in a well-greased and floured pudding cloth. Boil the pudding for at least two hours and a half. And when done, cut it in slices and pour a little sweetened melted butter over it. Potato Pudding Ingredients 3 pounds of potatoes 2 quarts of milk 2 ounces of butter 2 ounces of sugar A bit of lemon peel A good pinch of salt And 3 eggs First, bake the potatoes if you have means to do so or let them be either steamed or boiled When done, scoop out all their floury pulp without waste into a large saucepan and immediately beat it up vigorously with a large fork or a spoon. Then, add all the remainder of the above-named ingredients, excepting the eggs. Stir the potato batter carefully on the fire till it comes to a boil. Then, Add the beaten eggs, pour the batter into a greased pie dish, and bake the pudding for an hour in your oven, if you have one. If not, send it to the baker's. Yeast Dumplings Ingredients 2 pounds of flour A half penny worth of yeast A pinch of salt one pint of milk or water. Put the flour into a pan. With your fist, hollow out a hole in the center of the flour. Place the yeast and salt at the bottom, then add the milk, which should be lukewarm. And with your clean hand, 
Gradually mix the whole well together and work the dough perfectly smooth and elastic. The pan containing the dough must then be covered over with a cloth and in the winter must be placed on a stool in a corner near the fire that it may rise or increase in size to nearly double its original quantity. When the dough has risen in a satisfactory manner, which will take about an hour, dip your hand in some flour and work it together, or rather knead it together, without allowing it to stick to your hands. Divide it into about 12 equal parts. Roll these with flour into balls, and as you turn them out of hand, drop them gently into a pot on the fire, half full of boiling water. Allow the water to boil up once as you drop each dumpling in separately before you attempt to put in another, in order to prevent the dumplings from sticking together, as this accident would produce a very unsatisfactory result and spoil your dinner. Yeast dumplings must not boil too fast, as then they might boil out of the pot. They will require about half an hour's boiling to cook them. They must be eaten immediately, with a little butter or dripping, and salt or sugar. Norfolk Dumplings Ingredients 2 pounds of flour, a pint of milk, a good pinch of salt. Let all these ingredients be well mixed in a pan, and after dividing the paste into 12 equal parts, roll these into balls. Drop each of them into a pot half full of boiling water on the fire, and allow the dumplings to continue boiling rather fast for half an hour at the end of which time they will be done. They should then be eaten hot, with a little butter or dripping, and either sugar, treacle, or salt. Norfolk dumplings are most excellent things to eke out an insufficient supply of baked meat for the dinner of a large family of children. Pumpkin Porridge I am aware that pumpkins are not generally grown in this country as an article of food for the poorer classes, and more is the pity, for they require but little trouble to rear and yield an abundance of nutritious and cooling food at a small cost. The chief reason for the short supply is, I imagine, the want of knowledge for turning the pumpkin to good account as an article of food. I am now about to supply easy instruction to convey that knowledge to whomsoever may stand in need of it. Peel and slice up as much pumpkin as will produce about 8 ounces for each person, and put this into a boiling pot with 2 ounces of butter and a quart of water. Set the whole to boil very gently on the fire, 
until the pumpkin is reduced to a pulp, and then add half a pint of buttermilk or skim milk to every person who is to partake of the porridge. You then stir the porridge over the fire for about 15 minutes longer, taking care that it does not boil over. Season with salt and a little nutmeg and eat it with toasted bread for breakfast or any other meal. Economical Vegetable Pottage In France and also in many parts of Europe, the poorer classes but very seldom taste meat in any form The chief part of their scanty food consists of bread, vegetables, and more especially of their soup, which is mostly, if not entirely, made of vegetables, or, as is customary on the southern coast of France, Italy, and Spain, more generally of fish, for making which kinds of soup, see the following sections. The most common as well as the easiest method for making a good mess of cheap and nutritious soup is the following. If you are five or six in family, put a three-gallon pot on the fire, rather more than half full with water. Add four ounces of butter, pepper, and salt, and small sprigs of winter savory, thyme, and parsley. And when this has boiled, throw in any portion or quantity, as may best suit your convenience, of such of the following vegetables as your garden can afford. Any kind of cabbages, cleaned and split. Carrots, turnips, parsnips, broad beans, French beans, peas, broccoli, red cabbages, vegetable marrow, young potatoes, a few lettuce, some chervil, and a few sprigs of mint. Allow all this to simmer by the side of the hob for about two hours, and then, After taking up the more considerable portion of the whole vegetables onto a dish, eat one half, or as much as you may require, of the soup with bread in it, and make up your dinner with the whole vegetables and more bread. The remainder will serve for the next day. Let me persuade you, my friends, to try and persevere in adopting this very desirable kind of food when in your power for your ordinary fare. I, of course, intend this remark more particularly for the consideration of such of my readers as are or may be located in the country and who may have a little garden of their own. Buttered Parsnips Scrape or peel the parsnips and boil them in hot water till they are done quite tender. Then drain off all the water, add a bit of butter, some chopped parsley, pepper, and salt. 
shake them together on the fire until all is well mixed. Buttered Swedish Turnips Swedish turnips are mostly given as food to cattle, true, but there is no good reason why they should not be considered as excellent food for man, for they are sweeter and yield more substance than the ordinary turnips. Let them be peeled, boiled in plenty of water, and when done, mashed with a little milk, butter, pepper, and salt. Ginger Pop Put a very clean pot containing a gallon of water to boil on the fire, and as soon as it begins to boil, add 12 ounces of brown sugar and one ounce of bruised ginger and two ounces of cream of tartar. Stir well together. Pour the whole into an earthen pan. Cover it over with a cloth and let the mash remain in this state until it has become quite cold. Then stir in half a gill of fresh yeast. Stir all well together until thoroughly mixed. Cover the pan over with a cloth and leave the ginger beer in a cool place to work up. This will take from six to eight hours. The scum which has risen to the top must then be carefully removed with a spoon without disturbing the brightness of the beer. It is then to be carefully poured off bright into a jug with a spout to enable you easily to pour it into the bottles. These must be immediately corked down tight, tied across the corks with string, and put away, lying down in the cellar. The ginger pop will be fit to drink in about four days after it has been bottled. Plum broth Boil one quart of any kind of red plums in three pints of water with a piece of cinnamon and four ounces of brown sugar until the plums are entirely dissolved. Then rub the whole through a sieve or colander and give it to the children to eat with bread. Raisinette, a preserve for winter. Ingredients 12 pounds of fruit, consisting of peeled apples, pears, plums, and blackberries in equal proportion. 6 pounds of raw sugar, 1 quart of water. Bake 3 hours in a slack or slow oven. First, prepare the fruit and put it in mixed layers of plums, pears, berries, apples, alternating each other in stone jars. Next, put the six pounds of sugar 
in a clean saucepan with the quart of water and stir it with a spoon on the fire till it comes to a gentle boil. Remove the scum from the surface of the sugar and, after allowing it to boil for ten minutes, pour it in equal proportions into the jar or jars containing the fruits and place them in a moderate heat to bake slowly for three hours at least. When boiling the sugar for this purpose, remember that it is most prudent to use a saucepan capable of containing double the quantity as sugar is very liable to boil over. When the fruit is nearly dissolved, the raisinette will be done. It must then be removed to a cool place until it has become thoroughly cold and partially set firm. The jars should then be tied down with thick paper or bladder and kept in the cellar for winter use, either for making puddings or tarts, or for spreading on bread for the children. To make elder wine. Ingredients. Two gallons of elderberries. Two quarts of damsons. Eight pounds of raw sugar. Two gallons of water. Two ounces of ginger one ounce of cloves, and half a pint of fresh yeast. To make this quantity of elder wine, you must have a copper, a tub, a large canvas or loose flannel bag, and a five-gallon barrel. First, Crush the elderberries and damsons thoroughly in the pot or copper in which they are to be boiled. Then add the water and keep stirring all together as it boils until the fruit is well dissolved. Then use a wooden bowl or a basin to pour the whole into a loose flannel bag steadily fixed across two stout sticks, resting safely on two chairs, or, if you have one, a large, coarse sieve instead. When all the liquor has passed through into the tub, put the dregs back into the copper to be boiled up with a couple of quarts of water, and then to be strained into the other liquor. The next part of the process is to put the whole of the elderberry juice back into the clean pot or copper with the sugar and the spice, well bruised with a hammer. Stir all together on the fire and allow the wine to boil gently for half an hour. Then 
Pour it into the clean tub to cool. The half pint of yeast must then be added and thoroughly mixed by stirring. At the end of two days, skim off the yeast which, by that time, will have risen to the surface. The elder wine must now be put into the barrel and kept in the cellar with the bunghole left open for a fortnight. At the end of this time, a stiff brown paper should be pasted over the bunghole, and after standing for a month or six weeks, the wine will be ready for use. To be obliged to buy all the ingredients for making elder wine would render it a matter of great difficulty. Perhaps, in some cases, an impossibility. But remember that when living in the country, where in some parts elderberries grow in the hedgerows, you may have them for the trouble of gathering them, in which case the elder wine would be cheaper and more easily within your means. Vegetable Porridge Scrape and peel the following vegetables. Six carrots, six turnips, six onions, three heads of celery, and three parsnips. Slice up all these very thinly and put them into a two-gallon pot with four ounces of butter, a handful of parsley, ditto of chervil, and a good sprig of thyme, and fill up with water or pot liquor if you happen to have any. Season with pepper and salt, and put the whole to boil very gently on the fire for two hours. At the end of this time, the vegetables will be done to a pulp, and the whole must be rubbed through a colander with a wooden spoon, and afterwards put back into the pot and stirred over the fire to make it hot for dinner. Rice Milk For six persons, put one pound of patna rice into a boiling pot with two ounces of butter, two quarts of water, a small bit of cinnamon or lemon peel, and a little salt. Put the lid on and set the rice to boil very gently indeed, close to the hob, until the rice is done quite soft. This will take about one hour and a quarter. Then, 
add three pints of skim milk. And after having stirred the rice milk over the fire for ten minutes longer, it may be sweetened with a little honey or sugar and will produce an excellent breakfast for at least six persons.